they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs? You kidding me? Talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We talking about practice. They're growing out. And the only way the roots grow out every single day and they grow stronger and they grow they grow better is if that we all put our, we all water. What? Bro, I'm out, man. What's going on, everybody? Happy Monday night to you and yours. Welcome to the all-new Mondays here on the AAT Sports Network. It is Chip and Drip here with my buddy, Jamar, a.k.a. D-U-I underscore of underscore J-D. What's up, Drip? Dude, I'm, I'm feeling better, dude. I'm off COVID. I'm off being sick, having like the post-nasal drip. I'm feeling good, man. And no pun intended with the post-nasal drip. I was, about to say, I was about to say the drip had the drip. Did have the drip. Had the drippy nose all the way. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the drippy nose. So what you're saying is your logo underneath you was your nose. That was literally the color. Probably the color of the stuff up top to drip down to the stuff down low. That's disgusting. That is disgusting. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. It's Monday. Might as well raise a little hate and discontent while I'm here. It's Monday. This is what we do. So, again, this is what we do now. I, of course, am Chip. I am your host and now have co-host JD. We're going to throw it out to the sponsors, and then we're going to get into stuff because there's a lot of cool stuff happening in sports. And Last week, we had this very elaborate, fancy show planned, and we went right off the rails. Um, so I have a, a hunch that that will probably happen again. I think you said you had something planned for tonight? I, I thought I did, but I, I'm it's more of a it's it's actually I thought it was this intricate thing, but it's more just like a what if because you know I'm a big Marvels guy, and you know what if is the new thing. So I'll right. tell you some scenarios of what if, and then you'll tell me what you think. I dig it, I respect it, I like it. All right, so real quick, sponsors, they're all in the uh the show description. Make sure you're checking out Statement Games, a fun free twist on fantasy sports. Make sure you are checking out our shop, aatsportsnetwork.com slash shop for all of the great designs. Symbol, the stock market for sports, symbol.com. Use the promo code AAT Sports when you sign up. Lots of luxury watches. Use the code AAT Birds for 10% off. We got funkbrewing.com. And of course, manscaped.com is partnered with AAT Birds. Use the code AAT Birds for 20% off and free shipping at checkout. <laughs> your balls will thank you i hate when you do it it throws me off every time it, i know it, you're gonna it makes do you it. tingle in the ear hole it's like it's so close to my eardrums like so close and of course as we say every week the comments on twitter do not work because it sucks so if you want to comment and be a part of the show go to facebook go to youtube and comment there but of course liking subscribing and sharing to the aat sports network page to the aat birds page to the D Drippy Network page. All of those good links are up in there. Cool. Bill's done been paid. Um, Matt, good evening, sir. Adam, good, sir. good evening to you, sir. And Javier, no, that was not planned. The best segment of the show oh, was the, off uh, of the cuff. Oh, that was off the cuff for sure. So we we got yelled at by the significant others. We, we dealt with it. And uh, we did. I, um, I was told that you know that wasn't that wasn't the most polite thing to do, and she's right. Um, she also commented, by the way, but she did a lot of commenting. But it brings me to the point of I have the microphone, and you don't, so you will listen to every damn word I have to say. Oh yeah, um, and we appreciate you for it. Um, yeah, she'll be fine. She is fine. She does a good job. 
All right. So right off the bat, a little bit of news broken. I know you're a big college football guy, so I wanted yeah. to uh, to pick your brain on a decision that was made. All right. Let's hear it. So Spencer Rattler Bum. came into the last season with an absurd amount of hype. Right. You know, Heisman favorite, all of that good stuff. Um, he did not live up to that hype to say the very least. He lost his job to a freshman, if I do believe, yes, like sir. a straight freshman, not like a redshirt freshman, like a straight freshman, like a kid who got his driver's license on the way to the game that he replaced Spencer Rattler in. Probably. Never got his job back. So needless to say, if you're that hyped up, way to go Matt Prater with my fantasy points. Um, 13 all at the half, y'all. So Spencer Rattler enters the transfer portal. He's like, I'm not going to get my job back. This kid just took my job. We had a conversation about where he might end up going. Yep. I need to know your thoughts on him deciding that South Carolina was the place to go. (laughs) Or as Johnny just commented, he's the cock rattler. (laughs) You're nasty, and I'll hear Gamecock, Gamecock, Gamecock he's, Rattler. He's a, okay, so everybody knows you guys see my – you see my Clemson Paul behind me. I am anti-South Carolina and everything. I've only got no. one player. I've only got one player on South Carolina that I actually like, and that's Jalen Foster. He's a friend yeah. of the family. Hopefully, we'll be able to get him on a couple of shows here because he'll be a, a top prospect for the draft. But um, he's one of the only, um, the only uh, Gamecocks I like. But um, Spencer, I mean, it's a big move for South Carolina. I mean, it's a big move going out and grabbing a quarterback. If you don't, if you recall, Spencer Rattler um, was highly talented. He was. He was supposed to be the next coming of uh, Kyler Murray, the next coming of. Yeah. You know, he he had like a, a lot of high expectations. He was the only other person who was who had like a more underwhelming season is probably DJ Ungalele at Clemson. Mm-hmm. Um, they both were very highly touted. Both came in, got the NIL bread, and then just completely shit the bed. Um, so yeah, like I would assume those are probably comparable. South Carolina is a good fit for him. For one, because that was my next question. It is a good fit for him. I'll tell you why. Because South Carolina has a, a and they're in a really weird situation. They haven't had a pure quarterback in the last. Willie Corn was like the last one I remember them having that was decent. Um, so he would probably be the last quarterback. Um, there's lots of quarterback in the portal. It's a portal. It's portal season. It is. I'm not gonna lie. It is portal season, Johnny. And I'm gonna be real with you, Johnny. You, he, they both stink. Like the transfer portal guys, they stink. Like there's nobody. They're there, there for a reason. You know yeah. what I mean? Like they're they're there for a reason. Yeah. And and just to throw this out there, that I kind of to kind of expound on that. Do you guys remember a guy named Tate Martell? He started out as vaguely. He started out as a quarterback for Ohio State. He, after being benched for a couple different people, he ends up leaving, going to Miami. I don't think I've seen him play a down of college football since he's been in college. Now he's out in at UNLV. This is going to be the this is the this is the cautionary tale about the transfer portal. Just because it doesn't work out doesn't mean it, that you you can leave and go somewhere else. So, but this case, Mr. Rattler will play immediately. He does. Right. He will play in the SEC. So we'll really get to see if Spencer Rattler can bounce back because SEC defenses are different. And he'll be playing against. Hopefully, he'll be playing against his old team at Oklahoma because they just became a part of the SEC. 
Right. Now, does this – because, look, I mean, this was a kid that was supposed to be the number one pick in the draft at the beginning of the season. Does this yeah. bring his career back, or is the problem with the player? Because if you can't succeed for a guy like Lincoln Riley as an offensive quarterback, listen, they does were, South Carolina save you? It can, but the same thing, like, how can I say this? Will Muschamp. However you want. However you want. <laughs> if it's, I think it's still Will Muschamp is still their coach. If he's still their coach, then he is under the Nick Saban tree as well. So okay. Lincoln Riley is not from one of those trees. Like, let's just be real. He's not. He's his own kind of – he's his own monster. And to be honest, I don't know why people think Lincoln Riley's just such a great coach. Like, he hasn't won shit. Like, I hate when people say, oh, so-and-so is the next person and they haven't won anything. Like, what are we using to – He hasn't. He hasn't. He's made it to the college football playoff a couple times and got his ass whooped. Like, and that's what's happened. Like, he's got his butt spanked, and that's what happens. I believe – I don't know. Ooh, well, this one's good. Portal can be good. PSU got Tangelo and it be, be, at Bidiki, uh last year. We're both good. It all depends. I agree with you, Johnny. I just See, believe. Johnny, Johnny likes that we talk in college football because that's that's his jam. That's his jam. And I'm, I'm with you, Johnny. Like, honestly – Looking at the draft now, like looking back at the transfer portal now, like there are some guys you're going to get in there. Clemson has never been a, a he has never picked up players in the transfer portal. We've only lost players. We continue to lose players. My whole team looks completely different. So I'm not. I don't have a good outlook on next year. Um, I don't have offensive coordinator, uh, defensive coordinator, uh, a athletic director. So I'm. Yeah, y'all got some work to do. Y'all got some work to do. No, we we need a whole new team. <laughs> need a whole new team. <laughs> I'm trying to say it nicely. I mean, nah. look, I mean, I'm looking at the SEC East, right? Which is where yeah. South Carolina plays. Spencer Rattler does not make the difference because the, so they finished six and six this season. Right. Right. Spencer Rattler does not make the difference between Missouri, who's above them, maybe Missouri, Tennessee, who's above them, Kentucky, who's above them, Georgia. Spencer Rattler does not help them knock off Georgia. He may, though. No. What's, what was the score of that game? Uh, I don't know. Let's let's find. I out. think they got ramrodded. I'm pretty sure they did. Uh, Forty to thirteen. So they got ramrodded in that game. Uh-huh. But if you, but that game got out of hand. That was a tight game until literally the second half. Like they Kentucky, stuck they game. lost by six. Tennessee, they lost by twenty five. So they haven't beaten anybody that they need to beat. What was uh? And they got beat by Clemson, of course, and we pretty much hung. We hung what, thirty nothing. Yeah, we hung thirty nothing on them. I mean, at that point though, like you got to go get somebody that's dynamic. You have it, to, sure, sure, sure. They, I mean, and South he's, Carolina. Deal, he's the biggest do. name. He's the biggest name available in the transfer portal. Listen, Matt Corral transferred too. By the way, if, mm-hmm. you know that's that's how they got him. So I mean, is there some? I mean. Uh, Colin, Colin Murray and those guys, most of these people, guys, these guys transfer. So transferring isn't the worst thing in the world. It's just, you have to fit where you're going. Like, but does Spencer Rattler get back to his Heisman hopeful number one overall pick status Yes, by making he, the move to South Carolina? If he can turn that program around, we just literally said 30, nothing against Clemson. We just said right. they got ramrodded by Georgia. We just said they got punished by Kentucky. Like Spencer Rattler going to South Carolina can revitalize his career because it can bring notoriety to a school that is pretty much in football purgatory. <laughs> like it's, it yeah. is what it is. All right. 
I want to shift gears. Please. Against the best team in professional basketball this past weekend, the Philadelphia 76ers did a job. They went out there. Now, I say that as they're currently losing by 24 to Memphis in the third quarter. So I do say that. Um, Everybody seemed to be healthy for one game, and they did a job. Steph Curry had the chance to become the all-time greatest shooter in NBA history, shows up against his, his, his brother's team, and... Oh, he only needs 10. He only needs 10. Yes, I know, Matt. It's because I went on too late. I didn't give them the chance to to be on the air with me. Um, And Matisse, grown-ass man, Thibel. Stop saying that. Uh Uh-oh. Wait, are we going to have ourselves a conversation here? We are, brother. Here we go. Thibel, Defensive Player of the Year, and bye-bye, Ben. Oh, my Jesus Christ. Because I control the banners, and you do not. You do control the banners, unfortunately. So let me say this. Last season, when there were starting to be conversations of, you know, oh, you only keep one, you have to trade one, I said without a question in my mind, I would keep Matisse Thibel over Ben Simmons every day of the week, and I got shit all over. Because of one thing and one thing only, coachability. They are the exact same defensive player. They are the exact same defensive player. Matisse Thibel is willing to grow his game. Ben Simmons is not. So because of that, you watch Matisse Thibel go against a guy who is single-handedly carrying the Golden State Warriors to the best record in the NBA, and he absolutely shuts him down. He's blocking shots. He's all over the court. He makes Seth Curry, Steph Curry look like he hasn't in years. Steve Kerr noticed. Joel Embiid noticed, Doc Rivers noticed, everybody noticed. And Matisse Thibel's just sitting there going, yeah, this is what I do. Defense is what I do. Dennis Rodman played defense. Ben Wallace played defense. You can become a superstar in the NBA by being a defensive stud. Why do we need to keep Ben Simmons when Matisse Thibel is the defensive player of the year at this point? All right, there's a lot to unpack. You left a lot for me, man. So gonna be, a, I guess it's gonna be it's a drippy. Moment. It's gonna be a drippy moment. All right, so oh, we got to get drippy up in here. All right, so first off, number one, Matisse Thybulle and Ben Simmons are not the same. It's not even close. Okay, Ben Simmons is a three-time All Star. Thybulle is Thybulle. has been for what? The, for what? I don't know, but he's got the. I mean, they just ain't giving out All Stars like they're not giving them out like. He's he's but been most of it's fan voting. A lot, hey. a good chunk of it is fan voting. So he's just a big name. Go ahead. I mean, he's a remember, big name. Remember last season? Hold on, Clay Thompson, without having played a single game last season, was voted to the All Star team. I'm I'm fully aware, and we know what type of caliber player he is. Like, so that's I think I know where your argument was going, but his art like Clay Chippy, Thompson. Chippy took a sippy. Chippy yeah. took a victory sippy. He, that wasn't a sippy. So the next. <laughs> We're gonna to need to get your new sippy cup after this. So, so, <laughs> so what happens is people automatically are a, like a victim to the like people are a victim to like the current situation. We mm-hmm. haven't seen Ben Simmons play all year. Like we already knew Batiste Ibel was a great defender. We already knew that mm-hmm. without question. He's a great defender. But what people don't understand is Matisse doesn't give you anything else outside of that. The only the thing that makes him different from Ben is that Ben could still give you points in transition. Thibault doesn't okay. have he Thibault can't create 
So that's where they differ. Now, mm-hmm. would I take a healthy Ben Simmons that wants to play in the in, in the city? Hell yeah, I take that all day long. But however, comma, Philly's not in that place anymore. So Philly has a Ben Simmons who does not want to play for them and who is not also not willing to work on his game to play here. At all. At all. So Matisse is going to be your best bet. So for what we have going forward, yes, we have to love the one that we're with. You know what I'm saying? We got to love the one that we're with. So Thibault is a, is a suitable replacement. Is he the same? No. He's like, when I was growing up, we couldn't afford the Fruit Loops. So we used to get the we used to get the we used to get the Fruit Loops, but they was in a like a clear bag, oh, and yeah. it had like a different name, like and they had like the zipper top sh- sh- sugar O's or something like that's what we would get. And it had the tab you pulled it, and if you opened it too uh-huh. early, they get stale on you. So yep. I used to get those. So that is what Thibel is compared to Ben. He is the the cheaper version of a Ben Simmons that might get stale on you. Okay, and, and that's fine. Because that's what we got to love the one we with. But my problem with this is everybody in the, the world is upset that Ben Simmons doesn't produce. He sh- he doesn't show up in the playoffs. He doesn't do this. Like, like there's a mm-hmm. list of laundry list of problems with Ben Simmons. But we let Tobias Harris live every game. So I, I was going to get there next. Tobias Harris 100%. Is and I can't say the word victim. He is a recipient of the inflated contracts that you and I were discussing last week in sports, right? There is no universe where Tobias Harris should be a max player or as close to a max player as he is. No, but there's also no universe where Ben Simmons should be either. Three time all star. Let's, let's keep saying that because that is the argument. Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson is a Hall of Famer, dude. Like he's gonna be in the Hall of Fame. That's not the only if he can come back. His what he's got on paper right now, he's not. Listen, I'm gonna be real with you. Clay Thompson, if he stopped playing basketball tomorrow, is still gonna be a Hall of Famer. No, he's a multiple. He's a multiple time champion. So, so is Draymond Green. Draymond Green a Hall of Famer? More than like Draymond's probably gonna make the Hall of Fame. Believe it or not, he's probably gonna be in the Hall of Fame. He made Andre Iguodala a Hall of Famer. Iggy might make it too. Iggy might make it. Like, I'm being so honest. We're having a different conversation than we had with I understand. The, I'm just no, saying. With the Baseball Hall of Fame where nobody gets in and yeah. the NBA Hall of Fame is like, come on, we're having a party in here. Because the thing about the NBA is there you don't have most of the most of the guys make it in on the first ballot. So you forget about some of the other True. guys. So like will he make it? Yeah, they're just giving away the Hall of Fame. Just giving I mean, it away. But look, Aunt Iggy's got what three, two or three no, Franks. No, Frank, you cannot. I mean, Frank, I'm going to be honest with you, bro. I'll put you in there. You know what I'm saying? I know you <laughs> do your work. I'm not even going to hate. Like, he, let let Chip hate. I ain't, Drip ain't going to hate on you, buddy. I'm going to let you in. Because at the end of the day, I don't know what type you of greatness. You got to buy a ticket. You got to buy a ticket. <laughs> Every, everybody, everybody gets, you know what I'm saying? Everybody should get a chance. Like I said, like, the, like now you're getting, like, the Kevin Garnett's, the, the last class that was in was a really good class. The last K- class, so KG, Kobe, because you look at the guys, it, my criteria is the same. Are these guys that are getting into the Hall of Fame, whether it's baseball, whether it's football, basketball, hockey, I don't care. Are they guys who revolutionized the game that they played, whether it was at their position, whether it was based on culture, whether it was based on statistics whether it's based on championships did they revolutionize the game with what they did yeah 
Kevin Garnett it? revolutionized basketball. Right, the idea of jumping right from, and I know Kobe did the same thing, jumping right from high school to the pros and then having that stellar career that he did and the championships and the defense and the swag. Allen Iverson, these are guys that are automatic first bid Hall of Famers. Right. You look at a guy like Andre Iguodala. If he gets in, it's based on statistics, championships. Longevity. And defense. And, and longevity. Is he? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's played a bunch. We, we get that. Yeah, I, I know, I know. Like, there's but no we're talking no about Matisse Thibel and defense. Matisse Thibel, I think, is better defensively or at least on par to where Andre Iguodala is or was. I mean, okay, let's be – okay, can I, can I be – if I can be real here, I'm going to be real here. No, this is Ma our show, baby. We do this. Matisse Thibel is young in his career. It's going to be hard for us to say if he will continue this trajectory. If he does continue the trajectory, we can very well have the conversation about Iggy, especially if he develops a jump shot like Iggy did towards the yes, end Yes, he of did, yep. Career. So we could be having that same conversation because I could see he plays the role that Iggy played when he played with the Sixers. The deep, kind of defensive stopper, although the Sixers fans wanted him to be the heir apparent to Iverson. He just wasn't. AI 2.0. No, and yeah. that was it was a totally different game. So they forced him into you know the dunk contest. And every, I mean, and by the way, he did win that one dunk contest. I don't care what anyone says. Robbed. He was robbed. Robbed. But, you know, but, but the, I see your point. But to Iggy's point, He's got longevity. Like Vince Carter has no championships, really. But Vince Carter played for damn near 20 years. Like and he, revolutionized the game. Right. It, Air Toronto was a thing. Draymond Green is going to be the same way. People don't want to give Draymond credit, and I know you don't want to say it, but Draymond has revolutionized the game. Draymond plays a very intricate role on that Warriors team. He's the First of all, he's the vocal leader. He also okay. grabs bound, rebounds and starts the offense, and you don't really see chunky big black, black dudes doing that. Like he plays a really good role. He's becoming. I mean, he's not a great shooter, but he doesn't have to be. And he plays amazing defense. Like he's a, he's also a great stopper as well. So he's he's basically Dennis Rodman. I, I yeah. So then let me ask you this: Is Patrick Beverly a Hall of Famer? Hell no. Defense, he always goes against the best ball handler on the team, and it's tenacious defense. Got to did it. You, there's a reason you did it. Because if you think yes. about all the teams that Beverly was on, he ain't even one of the best players on the teams that he was on. No, he was just the loudest, most vocal. Just the most vocal. But Draymond is a, a game changer. Like, think about the, the 2000, I guess, 2017 championship when, mm -hmm. when you know, Draymond Green gets kicked out, gets ejected, and then LeBron takes the championship because he's not there. Like, the role that he plays is so intricate on that team. And even now, that like, they've had basically nobody the last two years. Draymond has still they been. Haven't. It's been Curry all by himself, and he's still basically or just falling a little bit short of driving him to the playoffs. Curry is a, that's is Curry. a first bat. Yeah. Curry and Draymond. Like, as much as people don't want to give Draymond credit, Draymond is the backbone of that team. Like, I know and Curry Kevin doesn't Looney. score. And, and Kevin Looney. <laughs> Kevon Looney plays a role, but not like Draymond. Draymond no, is I a know. game changer. He he really is, man. It is, I know people don't like him. He is a polarizing figure because him and KD are kind of the same. They're trolls. But. Right. He, he, I mean, he, look. I Can't take it from him. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He's got multiple championships, and he's been a great player on those teams. 
Right. I mean, and look, he's got he's got some of the criteria. You know, he's he's on the 2K where you check your Hall of Fame current status. He's got a couple of them checked off. I don't think he's got them all checked off yet. I'm with it. I'll take it. <laughs> I don't like a complete but again, but I look like a guy at like Matisse Thibault. And yes, he's exceptionally young. And I don't want to do the Philly thing and jump to these big conclusions. Right. But with that being said, we got to do the Philly thing and jump to these big conclusions because we're sitting here in a situation where the guy that we had who was supposed to be doing his job, Matisse Thibault's job, is refusing to play for the team. So you got to get rid of Ben. And as, um, Matt's saying, you notice how the rumor mill has made it has more teams are interested in Ben now. I don't, it's either that or they're starting to leak to the press. Like, yo, you gotta, you gotta get this churning again, because this has become a situation where no one's talking anymore. And this is going to be an entire season where he's not dealt. Uh, you're right. But the thing about it is I always think people want it. So I always think people want it, Ben. I think it's like, I tell you, I, I'll tell you the analogy all the time. When I first met you, I told you like, Basically, what Philly at the press conference told everybody, chicken is bad. Don't eat chicken. Chicken will kill you. And then after the press conference, everybody's like, Darryl Moore is like, by the way, like, want, you want to buy some chicken? Like, you're like, no, I don't want to buy some chicken. You just told me chicken is bad. It'll kill me. You just said. Yeah, like, I don't want chicken. Like, no, I don't want your chicken. Like, you said the chicken was bad. But now you're trying to sell me chicken at, and you're trying to sell me chicken at the highest price that it can be sold at, like, way past market price. Like, no, I don't want your chicken. I don't want your but green I, eggs and ham, Sam. <laughs> but, again, you look at some of the names that they're still floating out there saying, oh, well, potential with Ben Simmons. You're not getting a Dame Lillard. No. You're not getting a C.J. McCollum. And right now, I don't want a C.J. McCollum who has a collapsed lung. Yeah. You're not. Yeah. Those aren't going to work. That's why Dame is trying to get rid of him. <laughs> CJ's been injured more than Carson Wentz, and I didn't think that was even possible. Yeah, I give it to you. That's literally like – I feel like CJ's been gone more time than than Wentz. You know what I'm saying? Which like, is a shame because the two of them, that one-two punch, should have been potent. You add yeah. some defensive studs in there. You add so if you have a CJ McCollum and you have a guy like a Dame Lillard and you add in a Ben Simmons who you're not expecting to do a whole lot except be your rebounder and you know have those those flashes, then I think that you've got yourself a team. But the problem is that no matter what team he goes to, Ben Simmons is still going to want the ball, and you're not taking the ball out of Dame Lillard's hands. You're not taking the ball out of CJ McCollum's hands. I think Ben Simmons just wants to go somewhere else at this point. I don't really think that you have to take the ball. I don't think that Dame can't be effective without the ball in his hands because CJ McCollum is the primary ball handler when he plays. Right. So, so in, in theory, Ben Simmons can still bring the ball up for Portland and they would still be effective. And then after he passes the ball off, he goes to the dunker spot. <laughs> like, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not, honestly, it's not hard. But I mean, I played basketball on a very high level. It's not hard to play, find a place for a 6'10 guy with handles that can jump out the gym. Like it's not a hard place. Like you just put him in a place. Let him bring the ball up if he wants to be a point guard. Even the 6'10 piece, right? You saw the dude from, I, I can't remember what college, but they were playing some other college, and the dude was like 320 pounds. Dude's trucking down the court. He falls. He gets up. He's throwing dimes. I mean, there is a, a spot for big dudes. Or just in general, like, who the hell is going to check him? You put a four, like, okay, so he brings the ball up now, and then he gives the ball up and goes to the dunker spot if he can't penetrate. 
all you've done is now you've created a mismatch for whatever four has to now pick him up in the dunker spot. Because now all he has to do is brain him out, get the ball back, and then go back, go past him. Like, you could use Ben in so many cool ways. I just don't think Doc Rivers knew how to do it. I just don't think he had the mental fortitude to do it. And I don't believe that this regime, this current Sixers regime, has any business doing any dealings. I think we should have no confidence in these guys. They're the absolute freaking worst. On top of being the worst, they can't make adjustments. They've handled mishandled so many situations since they've been It's here. bad. It's, it's really bad. It's just been mishandled. Like, uh, back to Elton Brand, like going out and getting a damn Al Horford. Why? Why get old ass Al Horford? Like, that makes no sense. Like, going that out and giving a huge him, contract. Markel Fultz, sorry ass. Like, all these different people. Like, these dudes. It was just for so long. It's like, let's find the guy with the biggest upside, but also the biggest injury list. Or the biggest upside, but not proven. Like, Markel Fultz, Markel Fultz didn't prove shit. Ben Simmons didn't even play in college. He didn't prove us to this anything either. And now he's being said, oh, well, he's the next thing since sliced bread. But he didn't ask for those comments. He didn't ask for that. That's what people gave him because they looked at his stature. They looked at his, I guess, his upside. And they just gave it to him. And then they're upset that he didn't live up to it. Well, he, he was kind of trash in college. <laughs> he played like I mean, and I think. And I think that's one of the biggest downfalls in Philadelphia. And this is one of something else that I wanted to bring up tonight. It's the idea of player development, right? So I'm watching the game last night, the, mm-hmm. the Packers-Bears game. And sure enough, for the second straight week, Rasul Douglas mm-hmm. takes a ball to the house, pick six. Yep. Watching the game tonight, Jordan Hicks plays the linebacker for the Cardinals. Yep. Absolutely stud, stud linebacker and has been for a couple of seasons. We give up on these guys so early. And then you hear comments like Russell Douglas said a couple weeks ago of, yeah, I never got coaching until I left Philadelphia. That's got to suck. I was never coached on my position until I left Philadelphia. Now, we have since replaced the coaching staff, and we know that one of the biggest knocks on the Doug Peterson regime was he doesn't develop players. Right. So you look at a guy now like a Jalen Rager who has been in a system or multiple systems now and has never really gotten player development. You got to give up on a guy like that. But you know, as soon as you do, he's going to go somewhere. Right. And ball out. You know, Matt saying Jordan Hicks was always hurt like 90%, just like 90% of our team is for the last six years. Yeah, exactly. So why couldn't he be, you know, hurt here. Russell Douglas was a better option at the time than a lot of these other guys. It's just that right now they're in the right system. And I think one thing about Nick Sirianni is he's developing systems for his players rather than putting players into his system. That is probably the smartest thing I've heard anybody say in the last seven days when it regards to Eagles football. And you know, like that's how we roll high. I, I I tell it honestly. You know me. It's and it's like you get like people are such a like they're just a they're they're victims to the to the current whatever. Like they're just a, mm-hmm. prisoners of the moment. They can't see past their current situation. So a lot of times, even with Eagles fans being smarter than most fan bases, like they they're like the smartest idiots. <laughs> like it's like, hey, by the way, like we're smart, but we're also idiots at the same time. Like. You want everything to change within within overnight, but okay. So let's look at the history of the Eagles. Let's do that for oh, a Let's minute. do it. So the Eagles, for example, 
the Eagles have this unfair like thought process where you say, okay, well, we want to be good for passionate fan base. Okay, cool. I respect the hell out of that. Want to be good. You should do it. But you got to look at your personnel. Have you guys done yourself any favors in the personnel department? Going out grabbing, you know, new talent. Have you guys done any player development? I know they keep saying this is a quarterback, a quarterback mill or something like that. Quarterback. Quarterback factory. We are a factory, sir. Of what type of quarterback? Barely average quarterbacks? Like, there's no Aaron Rodgers or Ben Roethlisberger's for that matter. And Ben Roethlisberger's trash, I think. But no, there's no Aaron Rodgers. There's no, um, there's no Brett Favre. There's none of these guys that are just prolific. You've had Donovan McNabb, and they treated him really shitty. So it's like, after that, who's been the guy? You struggled through some Nick Foles, some Nate Subfield, some Carson Wentz years where – you know, they weren't so great. And then now starting, you're in starting in 2010, Kevin Cobb, Michael Vick, Michael Vick, Vince Young, Nick Foles, Mark Sanchez, Sam Bradford, Carson Wentz, Nick Foles, Jalen Hurts, Gardner Minshew. So I want to throw this out there. Have you heard of the great Nick Foles? I heard of the great Nick Foles. The reason why Nick Foles was so great is because Nick Foles wanted to play here. Mm-hmm. He really wanted to play. He really wants to be. We've talked about Kevin Cobb so much on these last couple shows that I've done. I can't believe I, I I've talked about Kevin Cobb more on the last like month worth of shows than I talked about Kevin Cobb when he was a Philadelphia Eagle. Go ahead. Did you think about and they threw out a name in there, a Heisman Trophy winner that didn't do shit in the NFL was Vince Young. Vince Young. So wait, because I'm 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 having my ADHD moments today. I wanted to talk about so finish your point, and then we're going to go back to college and talk Hoffman Trophy winning players. I'm having just, ADHD tonight. <laughs> it's just so much to be said. Like, you had Michael Vick. You've had Donovan McNabb. You've had Vince Young. You've had Sam Bradford. You've had Carson Wentz. Like, listen, you've had more quarterbacks in the last 20 years than the Pittsburgh Steelers have had in 20, like, well over. And that came because you had to stick with a guy. Like, we got Ben Roethlisberger. We figured out, like, he wasn't going to win right away. We had to stick it out with the dude. Oh, and you had Tebow, too. Oh, gosh. I we had about Tebow. That. We had Chase Daniel. Um, We had Joe Flacco. Oh, God. Uh, we had um, uh, Mike McMahon at one point. I mean, like, it's – the idea that this is a quarterback destination. Okay, so even if this was a quarterback destination town, we had Matt Barkley on the team for a while. Yeah, I mean, these are all names that rolled through the factory. Even if this was a quarterback destination town, what other pieces are you putting around to provide these guys to be successful? And here's my point where Philadelphia fans have got to take a chill. Yesterday, Micah Parsons absolutely single-handedly dominated. Yes. Dominated a football team in Washington. He said and Ty Detmer and Kay and Kay Detmer. Ty Detmer and Coy Detmer. We had the Detmers. Detmers. Ah, tried to do the Coy dance, knocked over my microphone. <laughs> we good. I'm here. Um, yeah, it's the idea. So Micah Parsons dominates. And if you go through Twitter. On the bye week, on the Eagles bye week, they went, we could have had Michael Parsons. We could have had Michael Parsons. Man, Devontae Smith ain't doing anything. We could have had Michael Parsons. I wanted to reach through my device. Yes, and Jeff Garcia. Thank you. Thank you for this. Oh, um, God. That's I not to reach, 
No, this that's Mark guy. Sanchez. Mark Sanchez. We had him too. <sighs> Micah Parsons wasn't available to us. We could have traded up and gotten him, sure, but Dallas was not going to not get him. They needed a linebacker. They took the best one in the draft, and he is going to win Rookie of the Year. He already has that. He's in the running for Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, he is absurd. He is absurd. Devontae Smith needs some time to develop, but the issue goes back to Howie and the idea of if you had gotten it right and gotten Justin Jefferson, if you had gotten it right and gotten DK Metcalf, you wouldn't have needed Devontae Smith. And you could have gotten gone out and gotten a linebacker. You are so far behind where you need to be because of missed draft picks. A missed draft pick can set a franchise back three, four, five, six, seven years. One missed pick. And you're seeing it with Carson Wentz. We drafted Carson Wentz with the number two overall pick. And a couple years after we draft him, he is no longer a part of this team. Or let's just throw this out there. Everybody's talking about DK Metcalf, but everybody missed on DK Metcalf. Everybody Every, did. Everybody missed. There's a couple players that there's people are scared to take. And I feel like Philadelphia is a, one of the – they pick scared. If a guy has any type of off the field, anything, you know, you guys could have had CD Lamb too. <laughs> he CD went Lamb. little. He went a little bit before us, but yeah, CD Lamb went. He was in the drafts a couple drafts. You got Jalen Rager. <laughs> that's you know, like uh, there's a lot of. Good- I don't think, and I don't think that's fair to a guy like Jalen Rager. I don't think it's fair to a guy like Jay Jaw for us. To- oh, oh, it's oh, it's oh no, say his name, say his name. No, because it's not fair to them to hold them to the same standard when that is higher than their ceiling was ever going to be. You have to, though, because of where they were drafted. Because of where they were picked. And I'm not opposed to doing that because at some point, Howie and them have to take the the lumps. They make some questionable picks. That have not panned out. And It's the same conversation we just had about the Sixers. If If you have crappy questionable picks you will have crappy questionable seasons going forward my Nerlens only noel markel fultz t- going out and getting andrew bynum buns josh richardson buns al horford bun buns these are guys and then so you got lucky by getting a generational talent in a joel nb but you have clearly missed on ben simmons only as a man you missed, on ben you missed ben simmons as a man Listen, we would not be saying they missed on Big Simmons had this post this press conference never happened. All they will be True. doing all they will be doing was getting be getting ready for the next season. Had Joel been beat, shut his mouth, had Doc Rivers shut his mouth and said no comment, we'd be just we would just we'd be having another dominating season in the in the regular season. That's what we'd right. be doing right now. We'd be number one in the East. We'd be kicking everybody's teeth in right now. Even with even with Joel getting COVID. Ben probably would have had 42 or something because that's the regular season. There's no pressure there. Like he would have done those things, but because you, you need him to do something in the postseason and no one can seem to, you know, use positive reinforcement. He now has become it public enemy. Number one to the, his own team into his fans and the fans are the same way with him. I feel for his life. I feel like if I know he's hanging out in South Philly at some weird school of deaf and blind, like playing basketball. He's hanging out of St. Joe's university. He ain't even going to a major school. Now nah, he St. Joe's to, hasn't been relevant since Jameer Nelson and Delante West. That's who he's working out with. That's what apparently who he's working. He's been apparently the word on the street is that he's been working out 
with with Jameer Nelson, and he has he is he's on a revenge tour towards the the Sixers when he gets traded. That is the word has been every word on the street that has been popping. And honestly, for this guy to turn his back on this team and now go somewhere else and he gonna ball out. I'm going to be laughing my ASS off. And I'm going to be crying inside as a Sixer fan. Well, because he – look, but that's kind of the point of this, where all these guys go and they they then have these great careers. So you have to give them a chance to develop. you got to give – look, Devontae Smith has fallen off a little bit. He's small. He definitely has. He's fallen off a little bit. But again, he's not – they change the offense around. So what, do you trade him this offseason? Do you, do you trade – Do you, no. But you also don't need to go out and get another – with these first three picks, you don't go out and draft another first-round draft pick because you have to hope that a Quez Watkins – Emerges. Emerges, but he's not playing this week. So we need a Jalen Rager to emerge this week in a a playoff game. We're playing the Washington football team this week. We're both six and seven. We're both fighting for the wild card spot, that seventh spot. This is a playoff game. It is a playoff game, but also it needs to be said that they're going to be extremely, if he goes to a small market team, he'll be fine. He can't handle New York. Ben Simmons, yeah. I, Matt, I couldn't agree more. Let me say that again. Put that comment up one more time. Got you. I so. cannot agree more. Small to medium market teams a place like Milwaukee, a place like possibly Chicago, where they've been in basketball prominence before, but now they're not so there's not so many eyes on it. A place like Milwaukee is always cold. A place like uh, Sacramento, like they don't have very much expectations. It's still warm weather for him. Arizona. I mean, honestly, if Phoenix wasn't so good right now, I'd say a place like Phoenix. It you just gotta go. Even a place like Toronto, he could go to Toronto and be and be you know good. Ship his ass off to Canada. Listen, all I'm saying is we all are talking about it. The only problem is wherever Ben goes, it's going to be a big deal. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where it is. He's going to be on a mission to screw up right. the 76ers every time he plays them. He's going to be – hopefully he'll be getting some mental help so he'll be able to take the punishment he's going to take when coming to Philly to play. But if he can come and hang points on Philly every time he comes to play, like that's the best revenge he can have. What I'm hearing is you got to send him to the West Coast because I only want to play him two times a year. I, I would say you need to send him to the West Coast, but you also can't send him to a contender where he can possibly get a ring before the Sixers do. Because then it makes you look like a dumbass when he goes out and gets. So like, I, I heard Sacramento. That that's fine by me. Sacramento ain't winning anything anytime soon. Sacramento, but the, and somebody was saying uh, San Antonio. But my thing with San Antonio is Pop ain't had nobody on his team since he lost. He had the mass exodus of players. So you give Pop maybe a piece like Ben Simmons. They're at the bottom half of the, you know, the rankings. These young boys that are coming out of college and high school, these boys are ready. Like, they're like athletes. Look, I don't have necessarily ill will toward Ben Simmons because whatever he's going through, it is on him. I just don't want – yeah, Matt saying Pop would – Ben Simmons on paper is a guy that everybody would want. I don't think it's about paper though with it, with Pop. I think Ben Pop, Simmons has got to develop his game. I think Pop. You don't think Pop can develop his game? I think that someone's got to coach this kid, and he's got to be willing to be coached. I think Pop is the is the is the player whisperer. Like in Probably. a real one, in a real world scenario, 
look at the teams he had. He had Mono Ginobili. He had Tony Parker. He had uh, Tim Duncan, Admiral David Robinson. He had Steven Jackson post Malice in the Palace and turned him into a hooper. So you mm-hmm. think that he cannot take – Dude, like Patty Mills. Patty Robert Mills. Boy, these are all guys that he played for. Big Shot Bob. Like, listen – I, if there's anybody in the in the whole league that can fix Ben Simmons, it's Pop. The league will be on notice if he goes to San Antonio. You can mark my word right now. If Ben goes to San Antonio, I give him two years, and you'll be looking at a completely different player. But what does San Antonio have to give back? Latavius Murray. I would he's take a, that. He's a he's a viable scorer. You know, he, you know, they don't have a whole lot of assets anymore because they're in the middle of and they're in a retool repurpose. But Ben Simmons wouldn't be required to to win. He would just be required right. to play, help the guys get up to speed, you know, get his stats up and, you know, get ready for those guys to be good when they get good. The perfect scenario for him. But you also in a better scenario because he's got pop that's telling them, don't worry about what the haters are saying. Like, don't worry about what the haters are saying. I got you. Don't worry about that. He hasn't had that. He hasn't had a supportive coach. He hasn't had that. I mean, uh, hold on. Brett Brown was as supportive as it comes. No, stop. Brett it. Brown almost enabled no, enabled Ben Simmons to stay mediocre. Ben, uh, what's uh, damn, <laughs> uh, Brett Brown could not coach my son's four year old and under. No, he could not. I but don't. He got the Sixers out of the the, the process and made a couple of these guys into ballers, but then when it came time to win games as a coach, it was a different story. Brett Brown was the perfect coach for Ben Simmons because, well, he coached him over in Australia, and he coached his dad, and he coached this, and he coached that, so they knew each other was a comfort thing. Brett Brown enabled Ben Simmons to stay average. I don't think Brett Brown enabled him. I think Brett Brown couldn't do much better. Like, I just don't think – I mean – Honestly, that can be true too. That can be very true. <laughs> I don't think he knew. My, like I said, I wouldn't let him coach my four-year-old team. Like he doesn't seem to have a good grasp of the concept. You know who the be- one of the best coaches in the NBA is right now, and I know she'll never get a chance. Becky Hammond. Becky Lynch. Be- Becky, Hammond, oh, Becky Hammond. Becky Hammond. Becky Lynch. I'm on WWE there. Becky Hammond is. She would do work with Ben Simmons. I'm telling you. you the the players on San Antonio are like she needs to be a coach. Listen, the the HC and check this out. There's I mean, there's a psychological part of women being around. You see, you have a wife, T like Tila handles your boys different. Yeah, she has those like she can like get through to them in a certain type of way that you can. I don't care about anything else. Becky Hammond may be a sensitive touch to a guy with a broken psyche. (laughs) Like, as period. I would, I would, I would venture to say you prepare him, Pop and Becky Hammond, and you know she's going to get that job when Pop retires. So you know right. where that regime is going. So it's, it's a good spot. They're not expected to do much. Ben doesn't really want to do much. So just send him out there. So you're playing this scenario game. You've been playing it for for a couple minutes now. Oh God! Last week, our, our segment that went off the rails was uh, how many beers. Oh God! You said that you sir prepared a segment tonight, the the what if segment. The so what if segment. I gave you the floor. All right. So Chip, I'm going to give you a series of what if events. All right. Okay. You're going to tell me. Well, first of all, they're going to be a big change of what they are now. But the scenario will be. I just want your honest opinion about them. 
in your honest analysis, are you ready? I'm like so ready. What if Carson Wentz doesn't get hurt in 2017? What are the chain of events? He doesn't get hurt in 2017. He wins the MVP. He wins the MVP. He doesn't win a playoff game. Well, no, he will. He'll, he, you get to tell me what happens next. He wins the MVP and he he doesn't get hurt in 2017. What happens? Right. To he he wins the MVP. They do not win a playoff game because of the idea of the clutch time and the big throws when needed. Eagles never get their Super Bowl, but he's still here. Mm. Because he that. doesn't get that. He doesn't get that injury label. He doesn't get that injury label associated with him. Ah. And they probably do better than 15 to 10 against Atlanta. I like that very much. I'm that guy that's on what if that that black dude that's with the crazy eyes. Dude, I'm here for it. I love I love thought-provoking questions like that. All right. Next question. Next what if. What if Markel Fultz was a hooper? Ben Simmons was a hooper, but Joel Embiid was a bust. What do the Sixers look like today? Middle of the pack team. In NBA, you need a big man who can ball. I think Joel Embiid is more important to this team than a healthy Markel Fultz and a balling Ben Simmons. Now, if you're saying, what if Ben Simmons developed a three-point shot? I think that they're still making the playoffs and they're still doing things. But you saw for so many years they were drafting Nerlens Noel. They were going out to get an Andrew Bynum. They were trying to bring in an Al Horford. You need a big guy that can ball. I think maybe they keep Boban instead of Tobias. Hopefully. But Boban ain't doing stuff. Yeah, but he's still I just a love that guy. Body. He's a big ass. He's a big ass body. I think you know you, you they bring in a guy like Andre Drummond sooner. I think they make bigger plays for guys like Demarcus Cousins. I think they make bigger plays for these big men that can ball, you know, Dwight Howard maybe comes here a year or two earlier because you need that, you needed that piece. But Joel Embiid is better than all those guys because he has the complete game. But it's a health thing with him. Now, here we go. This is going to be the most no, interesting. Sh- this is the most, he smiled all big. I don't like that. Is, I don't like the smile. This is the most interesting one of all. Let's say Ben Simmons dunks the ball. In the finals game, in the, in the game against Atlanta, they go on to win that series. Where are we now? Well, number one, we're the defending champs. Ooh. Okay. To start with, we're the defending champs. Because let's be like, call it like this. The Bucks were a beatable team, and they didn't beat anybody in the finals. Okay. I, I think if Ben Simmons dunks that ball, number one, we're the defending champs. And number two, you know, we, we go out and get a guy like, you know, Tyrese Maxey, who just simply makes this team better. You're not scrambling to figure out what this team is. Um, well, you won't need you won't need Tyrese Maxey at that point. Tyrese Maxey played last year. Remember when we said it didn't matter who we played and we lost at home in Game 7? Pepperidge Farm remembers. They do. Yeah, but, I mean, at that point, Ben Simmons is 
perfectly content here. He's got no issues being around here because again, it's the same thing with the Carson Wentz conversation, the labels of, you know, Carson Wentz with the injuries, the labels of Ben can't do things in the big game. Um, it changes. The narrative changes all over again. So I think Ben Simmons dunks that ball. We're, we're hosting the, uh, the Larry O'Brien trophy. And my last one is a Phillies related question. What if the Phillies had a great farm system? Mm. Yeah, this this is a hard hand question right here. And I mean, and I mean a farm system where you could develop, you could develop some pitches for your bullpen. You don't have to go out and try to constantly make these big ass moves to try to, or you have to do this mass exodus of players, like your players that you actually brought in through your drafting. Could actually right, it's become. it's the Ryan Howard, Jimmy Rollins, Chase Utley 2.0. You bring guys up through the Reading uh, Phillies system. Yes. I think you're contenders um, because there's so many spots on the Phillies lineup and the Phillies roster where they're guys who you had to bring in because of deficiencies in the farm system. You know, you have a consistent shortstop, so you didn't need to go out and get D.D. Gregorius. You... You get a, a center fielder, and you actually stick with them. Right. Um, yeah, we we absolutely trade them all because that's what uh, D'Ambrosio does. But I don't think that – or Dombrowski. I don't know why I said D'Ambrosio. I'm thinking pizza and food and stuff. Um, Dombrowski. But, again, at the same time, maybe you don't have to go out and get Dombrowski. Like, I think you're contenders. I don't know if you're Atlanta Brave contenders because, I mean, they just – that was farm system. That was all the right moves. That was bouncing back from injuries. They did what they needed to do. And they didn't have a Acuna for that series, did they? No. <laughs> That's what's scary. They didn't have him for like the second half of the season. Yeah. But doesn't that happen a lot? Like, don't that doesn't that happen a lot in baseball for whatever reason? Like Bryce Harper leaves Nash, the Natties, they go out and win a championship. I mean, is, is Chase Utley, same thing, right? So you know what it is with baseball specifically because it is it's different with baseball. With baseball, you've got that one stud superstar player, and the manager who has gotten his job from for whatever reasons has to push a pause on what he has known baseball to be and build around that one player. You remove that one piece, you go back to just going out and playing baseball like you've done since you were seven years old. I believe I believe that. I love talking baseball with you because it's 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 almost like your home. So it's like I like talking to you about it and and picking your brain. So the blow up the blow up event is not a what if. This is the this is the the this is the the ha ha. You have to give me your top three Philadelphia sports icons. You only get three. Of all time or right now? All time. You don't get no, not now. Who gives a shit about now? It would be hard to do now. It's easy. You gotta want to eat sport. So AI is one. Ooh. Interesting. Allen Iverson is one because between being the best little man that I'm gonna go out and play every night, you had all the quotes, you got the the hall of fameness of it all. I mean, you, you gotta go um Allen Iverson at one. Okay. Trying to get away from basketball 
is tough because ba- so with basketball, it's only five guys. So it's easier to fixate on the individual. Okay. So I look at a guy like, you know, Dr. J, he's got to be up there again. Same thing, revolutionize the game, but I never saw him play. So he's not on my icon list. Okay. Um, I think, see, see, I would say same thing with like Pete Rose. I never saw the guy play, but Pete Rose has got to be on a icon list. Just not my personal one. Chase Utley's on my icon list. Okay. Same thing that hard nosed talent, like go out, give 160 million percent and win a championship. Now I know AI never did, but it was the difference of, you know, he got him there, the stepping over, you know, Tyron Lou, like it's, he's there. So AI chase Utley. And for as big of an Eagles guy I am, I don't have any individuals like, you know, McNabb was great. You know, Westbrook was great. You know, no, what the fuck am I saying? Brian Dawkins. What the fuck am I saying? Brian Dawkins. Damn. Where I took me way too long to get there. Yeah. Brian Dawkins, Allen Iverson, and Chase Utley are my three all times. Are you ready for mine? I'm ready for yours. Without question, AI. He is, he embodies. Philadelphia spirit, you know, just does. He's a hard worker, you know, he's tough. He got beat up, you know, it just reminds like if you, if you ask me, I know he's from Newport News, Virginia, but if you ask me where he was from, I, I guess Philly, Philly, I guess Philly, like he, he, he took completely in, it's in him. Um, Brian Dawkins is a, is a close number two. Yeah, you can't, you can't even mention you can't even mention Philly football. You can't even mention the Eagles without mentioning Brian Dawkins. I'm and like embarrassed that it took me that long to get there. I was kind of embarrassed for you because that was going to be my number one pick. Um, and plus I'm a Clemson fan, and you know he played at Clemson. I know. I was waiting for that too. Yeah, yeah I thought I was so excited when we got Kayvon Wallace. I'm like, oh, another safety out of Clemson. Like here we go, and it's not been good. So and, who's your three? In my- <laughs> <laughs> And I'm gonna go Roy Holiday. Mm. It's in, it's an interesting pick for sure, mm-hmm. but because of his untimely death, mm-hmm. because of you know what didn't he, he pitched a no hitter? So he won a Cy Young too as well. Mm-hmm. No hitters, perfect games, playoffs, no hitters. Like come on, man! Like come on, bro! Like <laughs> it's a straight no-brainer. domination. He dominated for so long. Like, I mean, a lot of people might put Ryan Howard up there, but I think people are kind of salty at Ryan Howard because of the contract. So I he think with w- Ryan Howard, he so showed such great the beginning of his career. Right. And then completely dropped off. His his decline was sudden, but I think it's the mon- it's like the money too. It's like the Tobias Harris effect. You give him all this money and then you watch his his production not really match. Right. What do I have to play for? I'm gonna be honest. I'm not saying you're wrong. <laughs> I'm not saying you're wrong. I just those are my three: Holiday, um, Holiday Dawkins, and Iverson. Yeah, I think it's a fair question. I mean, and you know, I go back like you know, if I was going to keep going, like you know, you bring up a guy like an Eric Lindros, who I love to be some Eric yep. Lindros. I loved Eric Lindros, and Jimmy Rollins should probably be on my list too. Um, but I was always a bigger fan of Chase Utley because of how he played the game, right? Um. You know, T.O., his time, he was short. And that's, I think, for me, the reason why Roy Holiday doesn't make that list is because he had such a successful career in Toronto first. 
Yeah. You know, he went into the Hall of Fame as a Blue Jay and a Philly. Like, he he got to choose. Not to got to choose, but they kind of said, hey, we're both taking credit for him. Yeah. Um, what about, okay, and I mean, I, I know he's like a sore subject for most people, but Donovan McNabb. I, greatest I also, quarterback in Philadelphia history. I, I would say so, but then you guys got Michael Vick years. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, like. Wasn't I, even close I know to the it's level not of close. success you had. Wasn't close to the level of success you had under Donovan McNabb. You knew when Donovan McNabb played all those years that you were at least winning the NFC East and then it was just everything else was gravy. You have not seen that level of domination outside of a Tom Brady, outside of a Drew Brees, outside of – I mean, the, the guys that you talk about that have the consistent running wins of, you know, division titles, just division titles, are all first ballot Hall of Famers. So how is McNabb not? I just think – you know what? I, I think it's more biased. I think it's more biased when it comes to McNabb. I don't think that it's – I don't think people are looking at the, the – I don't think people are looking at the stats. I think people are more looking at the how he makes them feel. He's he's polarizing. He is like – you either love Donald McNabb or you hate him, but like everybody loves Brian Dawkins. Like there's not one right. person I know – Because you that, knew what you were going to get with Brian yeah. Dawkins. With yep. McNabb, it was, are you going to be injured? Are you going to throw another ball into the dirt? Are you like, you never knew what you were going to necessarily get with McNabb. You're going to get a great chunky soup commercial every year. Oh, yeah. Best, best chunky soup. But best again, at the soup. same time, I just, I think that McNabb is the best quarterback in Philadelphia Eagles history. Um, from a winning perspective, from a statistical percentage, from a, from a marketability perception. Um, but then he went somewhere else. And as your quarterback, like, it's weird. Like, you look, you look at other players. You look at other positions. Like, Shady McCoy, right? LaShawn McCoy went other places. Wasn't necessarily his choice. Always had love for Philly, though. You look at a guy um, like Dawkins, right? Dawkins went to Denver. Yes, he made a choice. That. I don't, I don't, I don't remember the, the Denver years though. I can, I don't. I've, all, I'm always going to look at him as an eagle. I don't give a shit what. He happens. was an eagle. McNabb went in division to Washington. They were trash. Jackson went in division to Washington, so we didn't get a chance to forget them. And that's where I think a lot of people still hold a lot of like hatred to him. Like Zach Ertz, universally loved. Oh yeah, he went to he went. I mean, because there's a couple guys that I say they never want to leave Philly. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think Roy Holiday was one of those guys. I believe that. You know, I believe that Cliff so, Lee went to the Rangers for a while, and then he's like, "No, I'm good. I'm coming back." Yeah, I want to retire as a like Shady. I mean, Shady, like Shady, you know, comes back, gets retired as a you know Eagle. Like, it's just it's a it's a bit of like pride to know that you're Jeremiah Trotter did a second tour. He went to Washington, came back. He's like, "No, I'm an Eagle." His second tour was not good. No, definitely not good. But it, he, it, the but respect, he was here. the respect level is here, and um, you know, and that's just kind of why I wanted to talk about with the what if is you know. No, these, I love it. What if, like, what if these things didn't happen? Like, what if Allen Iverson doesn't miss practice? They still get their ass like lit up by L.A., but they're not talking about it after in the off season. What if Larry Brown's not the coach of that team? They stink horribly. <laughs> Like, let's See, that's real. another guy that gets a rough rep here. He, I mean, he does, but it's only because like he, 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 
He held the players to a higher standard. Like, who else is checking Accountability. Iverson? Who else is checking Nobody. Nobody. Like, Allen Iverson, tough old man. Like, I mean, tough, 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 tough player to coach. I mean, he look at the look at the coaches that he had. He had in college. He had David Thompson, arguably one of the best one coaches, of the greatest coaches in of of all time. Arguably, like he he was so good that everybody thought Georgetown was an HBCU. <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, but no, you're right. You're absolutely right. But you know, you can't. The problem is that you then have like college coach wise. We could do another whole show on this as we get closer to March. But you're talking about, you know, a Shashevsky. You're talking about Roy Williams, um, Dean Smith, Roy Williams. You're talking about uh, David Thompson. Like, there's so many great, great coaches. Uh, a Calhoun, Don Chaney, Don Chaney, Martelli. Like, that's more of a Philly thing. He would never really did anything great. He's not part of that same. Well, Chaney's, Chaney's a Philly guy. Temple, Chaney's Philly guy. Temple. He got to a couple tournaments. He had Pepe Jones, Pepe, Pepe Sanchez, Pepe, Pepe Sanchez Jones. I, th- I don't know if he's hyphenated, but I know his name. I would know him as Pepe. There's been some guys, man. It's going to bug me. There's, I mean, like I said, there's just been some guys that are so iconic and the things that you do, you can't take it around. And it, to be, to coach Allen Iverson the way he was and to gain the type Pepe of. Pepe Sanchez knew it was that. To gain that type of, um, that type of buy-in from Allen Iverson and the demand, the, the respect that he did. That's Allen it. Iverson, Allen Iverson, like publicly said multiple times, I'm not the MVP without Larry Brown, period. And you saw, like, when he went to Denver, he was all right. Oh, yeah. But he didn't have the coaches. No, George Carl couldn't handle him. He couldn't handle him and Carmelo. They were, they were dreadlock, they were uh, corn rolling it up, they were sagging it, they were smoking, they were doing all kinds of shit. How dare they? They were being who they were, and you know it's it was around Martin. that time. It was around that. T- oh God! But it was around that time where they went. You know what we need for these uh for these 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 African American basketball players? We need to make sure they have a dress code for their post game interviews. Can't let them sag it. We, Yo, he, he must be stopped. <laughs> you, you do realize that the most of your players. Have a culture, have have. <laughs> you, you can't be doing that kind of thing. You can't most, be doing that kind of thing. Most Anglo culture, for real, for real, isn't going to offend anybody. Like, it's just not. Like, it just doesn't. Like, it doesn't. African American, uh, Latino, Native American, like that culture is. It causes people to look like you have. You want. It's loud. It's normally. Hey, it's me. This is who I am. Like, right, but. And it's like the society shuns it, but then like they emulate it. Like it's like, oh, society shuns it, but then people like the Island Boys become notarized. Don't you love those guys? I do not. I'm my next T-shirt is going to be "Stop Making Stupid People Famous." Island boy, <laughs> I'm an island boy. Listen, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's cultural cultural misappropriation because I it think is. Actually, with them it is. I but because I think they're actually from the islands though, so I'm not really sure if it's cultural misappropriation because you know they treat them just like they treat anybody like like so for example I use this as an excuse like as a, as a topic of conversation when I was growing up I had certain white homeboys that use the n word sometimes like if we would be playing ball mm-hmm. and. 
they wouldn't we didn't think nothing of it because like they had right. the same struggle like we we you know you know no no lights on whatever they it was wasn't meant show. it wasn't meant out of malice it no, wasn't meant out of hatred that's what i don't think sometimes i don't think my white homeboys understand that the mm -hmm. n-word when used between other african-americans is almost like i understand your struggle i see i see your struggle you see my struggle and it's more right. of a term of endearment because it was something that was made to hurt us and we Correct. repurposed it. Um, and sometimes I know it sounds ignorant. No, I get it. But it's no different than girls, women calling other girls bitches. And mm -hmm. it's just, they're like, hey, bitch. Like, and the girl is like, oh, hey, bitch. Like, and it's like, they know what it means to them. The only problem right. with it, if there was a word like that, like my white homeboys could use like that, that nobody else could use. They would do it too, but there's no word that exists. Right. Because that, for most of history, it was Europeans and people who look like me saying, this is what's acceptable. This is right. what's not. So nothing that you can say is going to hurt me because I'm the one who decides what is acceptable, what is socially norm and not. Right. It's the people, The there's always the saying, I was in the military. There's always the saying that the, the victor writes the story. I teach that to my students. I said history is written by the people who win. Yeah, it's like you. It's funny, like people don't understand. Like I grew up down south, so like people have so much southern, southern pride. Mm -hmm. But what's funny that people don't understand is when, on game day we love talking sports. I'm gonna put this in a sports analogy for you. Do it on game day before you go to the game, when you're going to tailgate and all that, you see all the team's flags up on their car. They're flying their flags mm -hmm. into the stadium. Now, depending on the outcome of that game is depending on how many flags you're going to see flying back home. <laughs> so why is it the not... The South got the ass whooped in the Civil War. They did. They got beat. They got punished. But those fans leaving that game still use that Confederate flag and wave it with so much pride. They're diehard. They're Cowboys fans. Like, that's just what I do. They're Cowboys fans. They're going to let their freak flag fly. They want you all to see it. But what they really want to tell you is, I'm okay with being a loser. Like, I'm okay with being a loser. Like, I know we lost. I don't mind it. And, and the thing about when you deal with losers and people who have a, I'm from South Carolina, so they had that that flag flew on our state house for mm -hmm. until really they only recently. took it down very recently, recently. And so there's a very negative connotation with the flag. So when you have conversations with people about color, race, uh, words of use, uh, terms of endearment, like Southern South Carolina African Americans for sure are some of the most proudest African Americans that day mm -hmm. because. That's where the slave trade started, was in Charleston mm -hmm. and in South America. But people think that it went straight around, though. It went South Carolina, East Coast, down to South America. Mm -hmm. And so history lesson for everybody. I know it's getting kind of boring, but the history no, lesson. No, I'm, I'm, listen, I teach history. I literally teach my students what we're talking about right now. So hearing it from somebody else, I'm like, cool. It's not just me saying my messages. So for that being the case, the, the the level of knowledge in most of the people are still ingrained into our society. And if you're from Charleston or Darlington or anything like that, they still talk Geechee. So if you still talk that language and now you're going to a school like Clemson and everybody's driving a BMW or the, the donors or the boosters are all 
people that you're not used to seeing and, and you nope. do see them, it's always a bad connotation. There's a level of discomfort there. Right. Yeah, it's a level of discomfort. And then to think that you go down to South Carolina to the Gamecocks where they still call you a boy or they'll still use the N-word when they're mad at you and when they're on the phone talking to people. And it's been done multiple times on the phone in South Carolina. Like, they've been talking. I feel – and I I love Don Staley not only because of what she's doing for girls basketball, but yeah. she's a Philly product. Um, So I have a lot of respect for her. I just don't know if I could do what she's done in the place that she's done it because of the the history that they have at that school. Yeah. I just don't know the, if I could. The fact that she's an African-American woman who's gone down there and brought women's basketball to the forefront. Like she, she oh, yeah. is arguably right now one and has been for a while. One of the biggest, I'd say top three to five names in women's basketball. Oh yeah. And it's not even close. It's like Gene Oriyama, Pat, mm-hmm. rest in peace, Pat Summit. Pat, Pat Summit, yep. Um, Pat Summit, and then there's Don Staley. I mean, there's not a whole lot that they you know him by name in the girls' game. Um, Which and is like wrong. Said, that's why that's why losing someone like Kobe, who was really making a push to make it so big. I mean, that's it, the the women's basketball game took such a big hit because of it. But you know, I, and I, I hear what you're saying as far as like you know, you have your white homeboys, and they you don't mind that word. When I was in college, I was asked to pledge the Latino fraternity. Nice. I I am as as white as the as the pure untouched snow. True. And I was like, well, what's what's? I was like, well, talk to me a little bit. He goes, they're like, listen, you're gonna your your nickname, your brother name is gonna be Token. I'm like, like because you're gonna be our token white boy. I'm like, and I was this close to doing it, that close. Tila because you know been, what? Tila would have been proud. I just, right? I just ended up not doing any uh, fraternities. That's not really who I am. I kind of like to be a part of all <laughs> groups. Like I'm not part of like, you know, this is who I am. That's just not me. But again, how many times have you seen me have a conversation with Manny who comes in here and comments and he's been on my shows and I'm like, twin, because right, he's my twin brother. I was just, you know, he was left in the bake a little longer. I was pulled out earlier. Like same mother, you know, just that. that's always our joke. We would do that routine on tours because we were both tour guides. Like there's... The biggest piece when you're talking about the idea of race and racism and race relations is, are you willing to learn that there are people with different views? Yes. And are you willing to learn and be acceptable, accepted from a place of love in your heart and not hatred? You know what I mean? That's it. That's it. You're saying that, man. You're, you're, you're 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 putting to the you're putting words to a, a theory that I have is that okay. n- nobody <laughs> nobody's born racist nobody's mm. born with a with no, a preconceived not. notion of race or entitlement that's some adults do. that's something and that you project it the same way yeah. you project if you have a fear of something onto your kids you project your oh, fear yeah. of a different race onto the kids as well. Oh yeah, and it, and it's as, it's as simple as you're you are a uh, you are educated. So if uh-huh. you have a phobia or a fear of something, you're going to naturally treat it differently because you have a phobia or a fear. It's not so, and I and I tell people this all the time. I grew up in a small southern town. It's not that my white friends' parents were afraid of me. They were afraid of what was going to happen to their kids for being associated with me. 
They had nothing to do with them being racist. Like, no, they weren't. Right. Like, I ate it m- was, many it's, a meal. It's, it's the ignorance of, not the even ignorance, it's the, it's the fear of the unknown. And it's the fear of the backlash that you get from being associated. Like, right. plenty of country club friends I had growing up. I tell this story a lot to some people that, people that know me and watch my show, people will know that when I was growing up, we, my, I had a best friend. His name was Alex Burke. Mm-hmm. Alex Burke and Alex Burke's dad and my dad went to high school together. So when I met Alex, my dad was like, Hey, I went to school with his dad. He's good people. So when we had a friendship, it was already understood that I come from good people and he come right. from good people. So it was never that weird. Like, Oh, well, do you know his mom? Do you know his dad? Like it was already understood that, you know, we come from good stock and he came from good stock. So we could be friends without, right. You know, prejudice. And if you involved. did mess up, there was going to be a conversation between oh, parents. Yeah. Like, you knew who you were getting reported back to. Oh yeah. And it was always that. And, and, and I would go to his house. And I remember the first time I actually really realized that race was real and status and social status was a thing mm-hmm. is um, I went to his house and he had easy Mac and they had a pantry mm-hmm. and he had to explain to me what a pantry was because I growing up always had my food like in a cupboard or something like that. Never a room, like a closet that you opened up that was full of snacks. Like, I'm talking right. Pop-Tarts, Easy Mac, yeah. Gushers. I never had Gushers before. And, like, it was just like my world was open to, like, how the other side really does live. Um, And, you know, it was crazy. They never treated us any different. We didn't have as much as them, but we were never treated differently. It was just like, hey, like, Jamar's coming over. And, like, his mom always knew that I was going to always eat Easy Mac and I wanted Gushers every time I come over there. Um, right. It it is it's it's a cool thing when you realize like you can kind of diagnose like when you realize that things are different for different people, mm-hmm. but it's also great to know that like somebody took enough time out of their day to say you know what well you may be different but we're more of the same than we are different. It's it's the idea that and again I, I teach in a mostly urban school so it's I, I want to I'm trying to remember the numbers I want to say it's. 50% Latino, 30% African-American, and maybe 20% white. Wow. Yeah, like I I, I really teach in like a very um, eclectic diverse. school. Yeah, Very diverse. diverse and eclectic school, right? And again, I look the way I do. So a lot of the conversations that are held around my district is, well, we have to hire, you know, minorities. We have to hire educators that look like our students. And I agree with that, you know, because representation matters. Yes. You know, knowing someone looks like you and actually seeing someone that looks like you matters. Right. I've had a lot of success teaching where I teach for one simple reason. My primary focus is the kids. And it's something super simple, right? We were home for 18 months. Kids mm-hmm. were learning from their computers. They were able to get up and go get snacks. If, if they had them, they were able to go up and get snacks whenever they wanted Right. They would just put their computer, they turn the camera off, they go get snacks. Right. Now we're back in school and we're supposed to go back to the idea of sit in your desk for an hour and a half and don't move. And you know, you're, you're going to eat when we tell you to eat. You're going to pee when we tell you to pee. In my classroom, I have a cabinet and every single one of my 146 students knows that I have a snack cabinet. I'm not going to judge you. You want to eat during class? Go and get it. Like it's something so simple, but it's just the idea of 
I know my kids are going through something. I know that in order to get the best out of them, their basic lowest level on the hierarchy of needs, right? Maslow's right. hierarchy of needs said we need a certain number of things before we can elevate ourselves. Right. Right. Let's meet those basic needs first and then work. I mean, it is. I mean, it's, I mean, it's sad because during the pandemic, a lot of the kids, um, they were going without meals, especially in Philly. Mm-hmm. A lot of the kids that, cause that was the one place where some of them get their only meal of the day was, you know, school, you know, and I know we're way far off of what we're supposed to be talking about, but no, cause you know, it's we, I named the show a smorgasbord of life. So we thought it's like sports life and who knows what else we're right on topic. Got it. Gotcha. So we, you know, like it's, it's weird. Cause my brother is also an educator. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris, you know, he's, he's on my shows, but he, mm-hmm. you know, um, He's been teaching for a while. He coached, you know, coach sports. You know, most of us, that's how we get into it. We, you know, normally we start, you teach so you can coach, like, so you can get in the district. Yep. And um, so he had a similar, very similar situation. Like he started coach. He wanted to coach. So he started, to, he, you know, got his teaching degree, you know, started wanting to coach. And now he's not coaching anymore, but he's into teaching more. Mm-hmm. And it's like it's the the value of the education and he and he we have very you know very candid conversations about african americans in education because um a lot of times like we didn't see him like i didn't i didn't have my first black teacher till i was probably i would say in college and it took me to have to go to hbcu to, to get it mm-hmm. um so you know it, it's not that they don't exist because growing up my my mom's best friend miss brenda was a teacher she taught to elementary school so we knew they existed. Right. But it's just that representation in the time where kids need the most representation and they need the most guidance is in middle school, high school time. It's inter- impressionable. It's super impressionable. And like to think they say it was like, like, oh, yo, yo, hey, like, my teacher, my teacher, Chip, you know, he he's dope. Like he, you know, he gives us some of the best and it not so much. It's, it's not a color thing. It's just are you are you cool enough? to meet these kids where they are. Are you cool right. enough to be where somebody that they'll come to and confide in when something is either not going right or something is a straight or going wrong and they need to tell somebody. So yes, I don't know how you guys do it. I really don't. I ask my brother this all the time. I said, how do you do it for the 12 or 11 hours you're in the school system? Like it's, it's exhausting, um, but it's valuable and it's important. It's important work. And that's what it comes down to. You know, that's what it comes down to. Like I have, you know, just today, for example, I had a kid who started her day by telling me that her grandmother died over the weekend and she's noticeably upset. I was like, listen, you do what you need to do today. You know, if you need to go excuse yourself to the bathroom, you just, you know, give me one of these. You know, if you need to put your head down, like you talk to me, you let me know. She used that a couple of times. I had a kid who just bounced back from suspension and I see him goofing around the hallway. I grabbed him up by his backpack straps and I was like, we're not going to keep doing this. Like, we're not like you can't have a bad grade and you can't have all these behavior issues. I said, we got to fix something here. And he looks me square in the eyes and he's like, he's nodding. He, but again, it's that simple idea of I'm going to, you know, grip you up by your backpack straps. I'm going to have a conversation. Like you're not getting away from this. And I said, we're either going to, you're going to have a relationship. And I've said this to all my students. I'm like, I'm either going to be your favorite teacher because you do what I ask you to do. And we have a lot of fun. Or I'm going to be the teacher that you can't stand because you're not doing what I ask you to, but I'm still going to make you do it. Right. Like I have my expectations. They are unwavering, 
but I know that you need them. And you know what's crazy? Like when I grew up, we had a um when I got to high school, I was at I was at a really predominant high school. Our high school was like you said, it's the opposite of yours. So my school okay. was about 70% white and maybe 20% black. Like I knew like all the black kids and we all knew each other. We played on sports teams. Right. <clears throat> so when we got to high school, um, a lot of our players were like, kind of like, we're going to be okay in sports. Like we're going to be okay, but we're not going to be that great. But we had one funny story. We had one all like growing up. We had one everything. Like we had one, the first, it first, um, high school or the first middle school championship for our area. We had won it. So, you know, normally that normally means you're going to continue to follow that trajectory up to high school. Um, so we were, we were kind of slide to be kind of good, but we had this coach, uh, his name was coach kick. And we remember, and like, we played like literally with him and everything. His son was my age. You know, we grew up playing together and, um, his, and his son didn't play on the team. Okay. His, his son decided to play football instead. So he stopped, playing on basketball. So we all thought that, you know, coach kick would stop coaching, but he stuck with us. And, um, we end up, we go on and win a couple state championships and stuff like that. But, um, the moral of the story is that from now, but from then to now, I still consider him one of the best coaches I've ever had. And I played college ball. I played division one, division two ball. Mm -hmm. So, um, he's still considered one of my my not my favorite coach. He was the best. Like I hated him when it came to conditioning. He was relentless. Right. He was, and he tell you that he's like, you're gonna hate me tomorrow, but when we win these games, like you're gonna love me. When you're not huffing and puffing in the fourth quarter, and they can't get their hands off their knees, that's what the educators are. Like that's what your that's what your top teachers are. He he knows that he knows that homework sucks. He knows that. You know, writing this essay sucks. It's going to stink doing it. He knows that. But he also knows an unprepared adolescent going into college who can't read on that college prep level, even though athletics has sent you there. Athletics has sent you to a Purdue or a Duke or a North Carolina or a Clemson or a Georgia. Which is amazing. But you got to make use of that opportunity presented itself to you. Oh, yeah. And that's so important. Like, not being able, like when I got to school, when I got to Clemson, I college prep was, I was not there. I was just, I right. wasn't there. I, I physically was not prepared to do it, do the, to do the work. So much so that damn near almost flunked out and I had to go to a division two school. And yeah. when I got to division two school, which is also HBCU, I had a lady uh, Miss Hawthorne, she pulled me to the side and she told me, you will not fail this class. Not only will you not fail this class, you're going to do t- 10 times more work than your counterparts because I know you can't. It was, just, I mean, it was a remarkable experience. And I know teachers don't make the amount, of, but you pay athletes crazy amounts of money to do things that mean absolutely nothing. But military personnel, teachers, um, first responders, police, all the service jobs that make your life even possible, those jobs make damn near little to nothing. And these athletes who it does not really matter if they win or lose. There is no real major rift in the world if they lose, except for some father or son being mad for the next week or so. But you pay people to play a game, but don't pay people who control and contribute to the the game of life that we play every day. It is bizarre. It is 
It's bizarre, Chip. Like, it is bizarre. Beyond bizarre. Yep. It's beyond bizarre. Like, there's no other way to, 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 to frame it. That's it. And I think that's how we got to end this tonight because I, I can't I can't think of a better way to do it. Um, so what you guys got going on on your network this week? So we started Britain Jess. They started their show Way to Philly. It was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode one, um, great um, turnout, amazing response on YouTube. So shout out to them. Uh, tomorrow is Everything Prince Blue. So we call it Tuesday. Everything Prince Blue Tuesday. Uh, you got you three tomorrow as well. Uh, Wednesday is don't bet on it. Don't bet on it's getting good, man. So if you're playing fantasy, um, you're going to be headed towards the playoffs. playoff weeks, playoff week start. So you might want to come check out what CJ has to say. He's been hitting, he's hit every week on a stardom and sit um, every week. So, um, I am very, um, I'm very excited for them. And then, uh, of course, you know, I'm still doing my thing as usual. User. And maybe I'll you get that. Go ahead. Oh, yo, Matt, I, I I appreciate Matt Matt hanging out through this whole conversation tonight, man. We got into some some yeah. deep stuff. This kind of just naturally flowed there. I feel like that's what's going to happen a lot of the time with our show on Mondays. Oh yeah, like we're going to have this like, hey, we're going to talk sports. We're going to kind of talk this, but then we're going to get into some real things just kind of naturally. And then sport, it's like it's weird because like we're we're fathers, we're husbands, like like we both got jobs. We you know we both doing a lot of stuff, and we both are very passionate about. The education right. of people, like people, should just know things. Like I feel like, what's the point of me knowing something if I don't tell nobody? Why? Why is ignorance acceptable? <laughs> right. When exactly. did it become okay to be dumb? That part. <laughs> that part. Yeah, it's just like it's like just like when it comes to podcasting. Like, wh- what part? What is it? What does it help me to be the only podcast on the block? Because I get a couple more viewers, or I get a couple more people listening to me when. Like Joey down the street wants to start a podcast so bad he has something he wants to say, but he doesn't know how to start. And I won't tell him because I'm hating on him. Like, nah, we're gonna teach everybody. When I was in the cover band world, man, it was it was crazy because cover band world is a bunch of you know alpha males going, I sing the best, I sing the best, I play the best guitar solo, I do this, I do that. But again, I said the cover band world, so we're playing other people's songs. Ain't none of y'all making money playing Justin Bieber's uh Sorry, is or it baby. too late now to say sorry or baby, <laughs> right? Better than he does. Sure, it might sound better. It might be musically better. You might sing it better, but he's still the one making it. Like, there's no reason for all this this dick swinging saying that I'm better than you. And that's one of the reasons why I eventually dipped out of it because I'm like, this isn't for me anymore. Like, I, I am a grown ass educated man. I can't be a part of this bar scene where it's like, yeah, man, did you hear me kill that solo on Jesse's girl? Yeah, you and every other guitar player who's ever picked up a guitar. For the last 20, 35 years, like shut your face. So again, I just, I don't, the competition stuff, like you're mentioning, like, yeah, it's important. The numbers matter. It's, it, it helps, you know, with the sponsorships and things like that. And that's all great. But to, to quiet someone else's voice, we've done that before. We've quieted a whole generation of people's voices, a whole, a whole country of people's voices. Uh, uh, doesn't we get you a, anywhere. Can we give a shout out real quick? To freaking Johnny U. Can we please give a shout out to this man? Okay. Like, the most talented guy in the show business. Let's do like, it. Like Johnny, like I am a very skilled and talented person when it comes to video creation and content creation. I will be the first to tell you I'm I'm very talented. 
but I have to also I have to tip my actual hat literally to this guy. Like he is knowledgeable in damn near every sport. One of mm-hmm. the nicest guys you're gonna meet. Yep. Super talented. And man, listen, like I'm I'm happy and proud to even being associated with that dude. Like that dude's a, yeah. a beast. Period. End well, of story. And, I, and that's and that's like he's on my team. Like I'm so and we each have like the, the four of us that kind of run things, we each have our things that we're really good at. And we lean on those guys to do those things. There's a there's a humility in what we need to do as as right. men, as as humans. Like it's just I don't know. I, I have a different outlook on things a lot of the time when it comes to uh, h- how to be a human. Just got to be is, just got to be is, a non-shitty human. Like I think that's yeah. you can just just be less shitty. How about that? Like just, you don't have to be a great be, person. Just be good. Just be good. Listen, that the looks like the Arizona Cardinals are not giving up, dude. Whatever. I <laughs> wife and I had this one. We had this one different on What's the, the picks. What's the score? What's going into this? Going into this matchup, she's winning because I, for some reason, on a hunch, I took the Jags over the Titans this week. What? I was, I was, I, I, I went on a hunch. I went on a hunch. I really, I didn't think much of the Titans this week, but I'm pretty sure I can tie. This is wild. This is yeah. Wild. I'll tie if uh, if the Rams win. Uh. So. Okay. Tomorrow night, Burning Bridges, which is yep. awesome. Wednesday night, all about the Birds Weekly Report. We're bringing on Rio from Rambling with Rio out in Washington. We're going to shit talk on the uh, the Washington football team a little bit. Rio is my absolute dog. I love that guy. Oh, Kyler Murray threw that ball big. Again, I'm a couple seconds behind. I'm on the delay. Um, then uh, Thursday, I'm going on Rio's show with the wife. Um we're talking all things costume mentality. Fucking uniform. That, the, she calls them costumes instead of uniforms. You married her. <laughs> She's pretty. She's a very pretty lady. Um, and then uh, we got Eagles, Eagles Washington this weekend. So make sure you're checking out, liking, subscribing, sharing. All of the links to our amazing sponsors are in the bio. I'm Chip. This is Drip. We do this now every Monday nights at 930. I'm not going to play the big... Uh, Manscaped commercial because we did too much other stuff, but you know, I'm almost I'm spare. I'm almost spare. Almost spare JD tonight. Please, thank you. <laughs> I got to record a new one anyway. <laughs> but again, we'll catch you on the flip side. We're out of beer, we so we're out of here. And we might not see anybody before Christmas. Oh well, no, we'll see you Monday. We'll see you Monday before Christmas. We'll see you Monday. Okay, we'll okay, see you Monday. Sorry. sorry, guys. Okay, it's cool. It's cool. And uh, 